Hey, y'all. This is uh, Chris Roth here with Bushido Squirrel with your weekly knock activism wrap up. Today, we're going to be talking about um, uh, wh- 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 how was it that you put it for me, Squirrel? You said it was the uh, the failure to revolt. Yeah. Uh, along with the absolute shit show that is the current California coronavirus situation. Uh, some more stuff going on around the country, specifically related to MLK. Actually, I guess we're going to do that in the at the beginning of this, and then we'll talk briefly about. Um, the fact that my former councilman and uh, another current councilman uh, are in some very deep shit, and it's going to be really fun to hear how that all works out. So, uh, anyway, first things first, how's everything been going for you so far this week, Squirrel? Uh, it's been an interesting week. Uh, it kind of, yeah. you know, rolling off of the new year a little bit less um, insurrection-y than the, the last week, but we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Uh, one thing that, like, it is, like, today was MLK Day, which um, in our grand neoliberal tradition has gotten, you know, turned into a day of service instead of, like, a celebration of the radical uh, organizing and radical um, philosophizing of Martin Luther King, especially when it comes to, like, economic issues. Yeah. Though I will say, on NPR today, they talked about Martin Luther King backing uh, UBI, which I find to be really, really interesting. Uh, because you wouldn't think that you would hear that on NPR, but they covered that. We're no. basically like, hey, Martin Luther King, big fan of universal basic income. So uh, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I wanted to, uh, before we get into stuff, highlight some of the tweets uh, that were put out by police departments oh, sure. and some of our elected officials today um, celebrating Martin Luther King Day, which, um, you know, before we show these, I want to really quick remind everyone of something like, a lot of folks say Martin Luther King died and he didn't die. He, he was assassinated. Like he was murdered and potentially by the state. Like there was a yep. civil trial several years ago that found that there was substantial evidence that the government had a hand in, in murdering him. Um, so when you see somebody say that he died for this country or he died to make things better, it wasn't a voluntary choice. It wasn't like Martin Luther King opted to die. He was literally assassinated by a white supremacist, perhaps in service of the state. And we should really play that up, that he was considered one of the most dangerous men in America when he when he was murdered, uh, that he was a, he actually had an approval rating lower than President Trump right now. You know, the so this man that wow. like everyone celebrates at every level of society was definitely not seen that way when he was alive. And like, we tend to forget that. We've really, really, really washed that history. And we, we need to get back to that. And in service of this, let's um let's drag some of these well, tweets by some of the best, um, best quotes, uh, police departments in, in the nation. So, well, so we, we'll do that in just a moment. I was just gonna point out really quick that there was a huge Twitter storm that was being put on today. Um, by Black Lives Matter yep. with the hashtag uh, Radical King. And it was all about the fact that he actually was truly a radical uh, individual and was, as you mentioned, considered to be one of the most uh, dangerous individuals by the state, uh, the state being the United States, uh, at the time of his assassination. And it's also worth reminding everybody that during that period of time, he was working on the Poor People's Campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was arguably one of the most uh, dangerous movements to happen in the 60s in terms of challenging the status quo, challenging the, the, uh, the, the way in which the state handled uh, you know, economic affairs across this country. He was actually pushing for you know, taking, taking much of what was uh, you know, part of 
uh, FDR's second Bill of Rights and making it much more universal and improving it dramatically yeah. and f- pushing for a collective mass movement of 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 the poor people in this country, which and, and also uh, a sadly, movement, the number of poor people has only increased. And well, and also yeah. a movement that's not dead. Reverend Barber is still leading the poor people's campaign. Um, we've been really lucky here at ground game and power to organize with people like Kate Ziegler uh, and the, the California poor people's campaign, but the poor people's campaign is still alive and well and did some really, really good work. Um, so, you know, uh, you can you can murder someone, but you can't stop their power. But uh, oh, so and, and also something we should mention on the positive before we get to the the laughing at police departments is today was also the Freedom <laughs> Ride uh, that was hosted yes. by Streetwatch and a whole bunch of other groups. Um, I believe Black Lives Matter, um, and yep. they basically drove around the city um, to different encampments and to fight for housing and to like do service to people who are living unhoused. Uh, there were more than two hundred cars and more than a couple hundred people involved in it uh everything went great throughout the day it sounded like it was a really really great time um so yeah you know we need more direct actions like that even in a time of covid like there's still ways to get out there and get active and make sure that your message is getting across absolutely so um the first tweet is not actually from a police department is from the california governor at california governor i mean he's a he's a cop like governors are cops (laughs) Top cops in in a way. Uh, quote, Dr. King urged us all to step up in service of others. Today, we carried that call to action forward by serving others at uh, Stanthon, at, oh, St. Anthony. <laughs> I can read. <laughs> Words, how do they work? St. Anthony, St. Anthony SF. I'm sorry. Twitter handles can be weird. Uh, in San Francisco. Thank you to everyone volunteering this hashtag MLK day uh, and giving up a little of your time for a day of service. Hashtag California for all. Yep. Uh, there's a video on that. One and as well. we're yeah, not gonna we're not going to play the video. the video. But also, like, let's remember that, you know, Gavin Newsom could cancel rent. He could stop evictions. He could do a whole host of things to make the situation better. And he just refuses to. Uh, AB 3088 Correct. or AB 1388 uh, expires at the end of the month. Uh, that means that evictions start in earnest uh, coming in February. So uh, that's yep. really going to suck. Uh, let's move on to. Uh, The spokeswoman for the White House. Kaylee McEnany, quote, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools, end quote. This is, of course, a quote from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Left a legacy of faith, love, and equality. It's interesting that she um, does the citation, little hyphen, and then just carries on like it's a sentence. Uh, He made America better, period. He was a true servant of Christ, period. Today, comma, we honor him, exclamation point. Um, This coming from, again, Kaylee McEnany, who is the current spokesperson for the White House. Yeah, a uh, literal apologist for a white supremacist fascist. So I don't think Martin Luther King would be super happy with her or the work she does or her boss. Um, But, you know, this is, like I said, this is a day when every person that's got a, a shitty history on race relations can pretend that they give a fuck. Great. Uh, Speaking of people with shitty race relations histories, NYPD News. Today, we take time to celebrate the life of Martin Luther King Jr. and reflect on his many accomplishments. His work and memory continue to have a lasting impact on all of us to this day. Yep. Thank you, NYPD and, News. And NYPD spent this evening brutalizing protesters at an MLK Day march in uh, downtown uh, Manhattan, um, making mass arrests and basically thumbing their noses at the New York Attorney General, who literally just sued them over this exact same behavior. So uh, if you're wondering who runs your town, it's it's the cops. The cops run your town, and they're 
violent and vicious and hypocritical to say the least. Not that that matters. Oh, speaking of hypocrites. <laughs> uh, that reaction, of course, comes from the fact that Alex Villanueva's tweet is currently up on the screen from uh, Dr. Mr. Sheriff Alex Villanueva. What's the way that you phrased Dr. His title Sheriff for? Alex. Dr. Sheriff Alex, quote, today we honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. As sheriff, my hope is that we can all aspire to demonstrate in our life Dr. King's level of greatness and courage in the face of great adversity, period. Thank you, hashtag Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., exclamation point, wishing at County of L.A. residents a safe holiday, hashtag Sheriff V. It's, it's um, just amazing because, for- you know... <laughs> The, the people that were brutalizing Martin Luther King and other marchers on the Norman Pettus Bridge, uh, they were sheriff's deputies. Yep. You know, that, like the yeah, sheriff's um, not not fans of Dr. King um, and he was not a fan of theirs. And he spent uh, many nights in their in their jails because uh, they're yeah. racist assholes. And uh, Sheriff well, Villanueva did something like 20. 20, 30 times? Yeah. And, and like, life. you know, Villanueva has spent this entire summer trying to crush dissent uh, and treating racial justice protesters as though they're violent felons uh, and allowing his deputies to just straight up murder people without any sort of um, repercussions. Um, you know, there's a the couple of deputies who oh, yeah. murdered Andres Guardado uh, and then were taken off yep. the force, uh, not because they murdered someone, but because they crashed a car. And in Dr. Sheriff uh, Alex's well, L.A. They, they uh, crashed a car and potentially also did some kidnapping um, yeah. and a bunch of, uh, uh, you but, know, false arrest stuff. Yeah. OK. We'll talk about okay. that next week. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, in, in Dr. Sheriff Alex's um, Los Angeles County, you're more likely to lose your job as a, a cop if you damage department property than uh, if you kill someone. So, you know, protect and serve uh, the powers of capital. Yes. Uh, also, I do. I, I just wanted to remind everyone that at the end of his tweet, he concludes the tweet with hashtag Sheriff V um, because nothing says I care about the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Like including a, sh- a shitty hashtag for yourself. Well, yeah, that's a that's a you know, he's trying to rebrand. He's going to go to TikTok. He's going to move into a hype house. It's, you know, we're in for a long, long winter here. I would legitimately pay to see that. Um, but he's not the only member of the Los Angeles law enforcement community to get out there and and uh, tweet today. Uh, LAPD HQ got a video from Chief Michael Moore. There was actually a really fun tweet from Michael Moore uh, where I yelled at him to resign, and so did uh, like everybody else. Yeah. Um, I, I liked somebody. Somebody actually had a much better idea, which was uh, fire all of your officers and then resign. Yeah. Uh, which would be a much more effective way to go out, but uh, he's not going to do anything like that. Um, from LAPD HQ, which is the official Los Angeles Police Department. Uh, Twitter account because for some reason they needed to add HQ at the end. No fucking clue why. Quote, Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream and we have the collective power to make it a reality. Hashtag MLK Day. Um, Yeah. Uh, This is the same police department that beat the shit out of Rodney King. Yeah. I, I, they're, they're definitely a... (laughs) They're definitely a good source for well, this information. I, well, one of the things that's interesting about LAPD, and I, I kind of learned this um, by reading Dr. Sheriff Alex's um, PhD dissertation, <laughs> was that uh, yeah. black men are actually overrepresented in LAPD compared to the population of the city of Los Angeles. And yet, that hasn't stopped any of their incredibly racist behavior, almost like you can't unracist a fundamentally racist institution by just like adding yep. more diversity that that almost doesn't matter in the face of systemic injustice. 
All right, it's let's funny um how that works. Yeah. Let's move on to our last one. Um this is uh, my hometown police department, Phoenix PD, uh, perhaps the deadliest police department per capita in the nation. Incredibly violent, incredibly racist. Uh, having like they they made uh, they've made national news several times this year, but uh, earlier this year they um, were called out for brutalizing a family who may or may not have stolen uh, some underwear from a ninety nine cent store um, and literally pulling their guns on Jesus. a car full of a family because like two dollars worth of underwear may or may not have been stolen um so yeah you can totally take what they're saying here as as 100 legitimate quote dr king epitomized what it means to serve his legacy has impacted who we are and who we will continue to strive to be as the phoenix police department hashtag mlk day 2021 let's remember there's Get also fucked. another another phoenix police department uh officer oh we have one more tweet but before we move on to that one oh we will but there's a there's a phoenix yeah. police department uh officer who threatened to murder the mayor for wanting more police oversight and phoenix oh. pd said that was not enough to actually remove them from the force that uh, him saying, I will shoot you in the head, Jesus. and then someone saying, you don't really mean that, and him saying, yes, I do, I have a gun, I will shoot you in the head, <laughs> was not a legitimate threat to the mayor's life. And if you're wondering who provides security for the mayor of Phoenix, it's, surprise, Phoenix PD. But let's move on to uh, probably the, the piece de resistance here. Um, ICE, uh, everyone's uh, favorite law enforcement agency that no one totally wants to abolish and throw in cages, uh, they wanted to let us know how they feel about Dr. King. Quote, today we honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s message of hope, justice, and equality. Uh, and then in, in like the, uh, you know, graphic design is my passion quality uh, image that they've included with this, there's a tiny little quote that you can kind of see that says, the time is always right to do what is right, uh, that they've included at the top uh, alongside the picture of the memorial in D.C., um, I did love the fact that this tweet was probably the tweet that got the most ratio today. Oh, yeah. Um, on all of Twitter. Uh, it was glorious to behold and super fun. Uh, yeah. No, I, it's, fuck it's ice. yeah. Especially, you know, as, as we're watching the right wing whip up another storm of paranoia and fear over caravans coming from the global South. Uh, it's always good to be reminded of, you know, the people who will be brutalizing children at the border, um, believe in racial equality deep down. They definitely do not. Yeah. At all. But so that's a, that concludes our annual wrap up of terrible, terrible tweets wait, from wait. people who, oh, we nope, have nope. another. Oh, God, I keep forgetting. There's one man. more. There's right. one more. <laughs> this one from Nuri Martinez, um, our current city council president. Yep. Nuri Martinez. Uh, quote, in 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called for a revolution of values known as the Poor People's Campaign in an effort to gain economic justice and human rights for poor people of all races in the United States. Hashtag MLK Day. Yeah. Um, this is the same Nuri Martinez who yelled at all activists in a fucking unhinged screed in the final city council meeting uh, of 2020, yelling at all of us and telling us to go fuck ourselves, basically. Um, she is so fucking hypocritical. Yep. It is absolutely disgusting. Absolutely well, and, disgusting. You know, especially when city council has been fighting tooth and nail to reimpose like regressive taxes, like parking enforcement. Oh yeah. And to uh, get back to encampment sweeps and to do everything they can to teach the, the poor people of Los Angeles that the crime of being poor is unacceptable in Nuri's Los Angeles. Uh, this is pretty rich. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting there. They should be back at work uh, tomorrow, I think, right? They have a meeting. 
maybe not, maybe Wednesday. Uh, it's it's there's one scheduled. Yeah, um, we'll mean, see if they actually, actually make it. I can check that really quick. Remember, we pay I them mean, a quarter only... million dollars to only show up for work like sixty percent of the time. There's there is there is an agenda for Tuesday morning, uh, and it's got it's got stuff on it. Most of the time, if it's a if it's uh, canceled, they've got a, an agenda that just says canceled um, yep. in giant letters. It's kind of fun. Yeah, and they never have um, to tell you do, why. They see. can just say we're canceling it. You know which. Well, so the, the agenda for the council meeting for Wednesday is currently unavailable. Um, so I, I, I guess they're not going to have one on Inauguration Day, which is kind of fun for me because that, oh, Wednesday is canceled. Andrea is commenting on Facebook saying that Wednesday is canceled. Yep. Uh, currently, the is. agenda is simply listed as unavailable, um, but that's not surprising that it's canceled because Nuri will take any excuse she can get to cancel a meeting, as we have seen by the fact that literally a third of the council meetings have been canceled, at least a third of the council meetings have been canceled over the past nine, ten months. Yeah. Uh, basically, since the pandemic hit and lockdown started, Nuri was like, fuck Friday meetings. We're doing two meetings a week now. Ah, <laughs> Canceling 30 percent of the city council full meetings. They still yeah. and, and also she canceled like basically all of the committee hearings for yep. like three months, two months, um, because apparently uh, L.A.'s uh, information technology officers uh, within the city are just so bad at their job that they can't figure out how to host a fucking Zoom meeting. Um, I mean, they definitely struggled to do so all the way through uh, now, um, but they've, they've gotten better at it now, at least. And I do appreciate the fact that they introduced, and I don't know if you'd seen this, hmm. uh, Squirrel, but they introduced a grid view. Oh yeah, I did week. see that. They they finally figured out how it to is. how to show all of the council members at once. Uh, so we don't have it's those great. weird awkward moments where like Zoom still thinks somebody's talking even though someone else is and you're just staring at like Bob Blumenthal's like empty chair because he's walked out of frame while somebody else is talking and you're like this is this is just all fantastic. We're a tech city, ladies and gentlemen, gotcha. a tech city. Oh, uh Andrea, by the way, is also pointing out that the reason why Nuri shut down City Hall on Wednesday is due to the uh, uh, perceived threat of uh, white nationalists uh, showing up, which, I mean, they did show up on the 6th. But, and then LAPD uh, didn't do anything about them. them. Like, they, they were there, Correct. and LAPD just was like, oh, yeah, no, hey, watch them brutalize this black woman. Yeah, we're totally not going to, like, yeah. intervene to stop that because, you know, what, what do you expect us to do? Our jobs? Well, so then the next week, uh, Council Member uh, Joe, Joey Buckets Buscaino uh, decided to make an int introduce a motion along with Monica Rodriguez, which was seconded by Nuri, of course, uh, <laughs> to basically create like a what sounded like a SWAT response within City Hall when things like this were to happen. So basically it's creating what amounts to like a garrison at City Hall uh, of extra armed police officers. Uh, in case there's any protest happening. So, you know, um, what's, what's fun about that is there is an entire secret tunnel that leads from one police plaza <laughs> directly to City Hall, like an underground tunnel just for this purpose. So, like, you're giving away the secrets. <laughs> I just I I just like if you're if your response to what we're seeing is more security and more cops then you know. You're, You're taking the wrong, wrong tack, but I feel like we've, we've yeah, I feel like we've we've uh, lingered on this for long enough, Chris. So uh, I'm going to oh. turn the question over to you and ask how you're doing before we get into uh, everyone's favorite virus. Um, I'm I'm actually doing all right. I, I, I've 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 gotten 
I'm, I'm, I'm back on the track of actually trying to take care of myself uh, from a physical exertion perspective and, and, and doing some conditioning work of uh, setting my bike up in my living room uh, and sweating my ass off on a, on a little trainer that makes me feel like I'm doing work. Uh, and I am doing work, but it makes me feel like I'm going somewhere when I'm definitely not. Yeah. Uh, it's actually really fun. Did like 20 something miles of simulated bike riding today and did like 30 yesterday. So huh. feeling really good about that, but also doing that desperately, doing that in a desperate attempt to not think about the stuff that we're about to talk about now, because um, it's getting really, it's it's getting better in some ways. Yeah. It's but also it, at getting least, much much worse. It it's at least not getting as bad as quickly as it was. It, it, yeah, yeah. Technically, that is correct, but it's there, there's other things like we've we've we saw the the new reports about the other strains of the virus and the fact that they just can't figure out how to get the vaccination rolling out. Yeah, and it's just you know. And also, we haven't seen the spikes from what we're going to be getting from uh, Christmas and New Year's fully hitting us yet. So, yep. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen, but here we go. Um, shit's fucked. Uh, total cases in the state of California as of this recording. Uh, this graphic is wrong. Yeah, it's we twenty two thousand cases short. Yeah, we uh, we're we're about to hit it's three million, and uh, I guess we're going to cover yep. Los Angeles uh, here in a bit. But Los Angeles County also yes. crossed a milestone. Yes, we did. We'll get to that in a minute. As of this recording, we are now up to 2,994,748 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state of California, which means we're definitely crossing that that 3 million mark either tonight or tomorrow. That is a shocking 261,118 new cases in the past week. We had 21,138 new cases of the virus statewide yesterday with another 21,839 new cases today. This is uh, from 6.02 p.m. today, January 18th. It is likely to continue to go up. Yep. Uh, we are now uh, looking at, when you look at like the new cases by day, we're averaging around 40,000. So that means there's probably another 20,000 or so that have not been confirmed, which would push us over that 3 million mark. I mean, all we need is 6,000 more cases to go over 3 million. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Well, today. and also we're seeing we're, um, we're seeing the underreporting that comes from A, the weekend, and B, a long weekend. That's just something that, that happens correct. with these, these numbers like consistently. Yes, and uh, also worth pointing out that some of the me- mega testing mega sites like Dodger Stadium are no longer testing mega sites, so that's going to have an impact yep. as well. Had a um, bunch of people the, hit me up to be like, "Wait, how do I get a COVID test now?" And there are still tests available for anybody wondering. Like, yes. you can still walk up and get a free test from the county and from the city, but you do have this, to uh, you do have to work a little bit harder to find out where they are. The city's website is much, much, much better for that than the county's. The county's website is just absolute trash. Yep. Uh, Highly recommend using the LA City website for that. Um, When we look at the disproportionate impact across races uh, of this virus, it is just absolutely fucking devastating that 7,352 cases per 100,000 is what we're seeing in the Latino population, whereas we are seeing... um, just under right around like 3,500. So less than half of that per hundred thousand in the black population, uh, with white and Asian populations at slightly less than 3000 and, uh, everybody else in a little in more like the 2,500, uh, per hundred thousand category. So, 
Latino people across the state of California are just being absolutely devastated by this virus, and it's truly massively depressing. Um, test positivity rate has declined substantially, which is nice. Um, we're down to only 10.6%, which is fucking wild to think of it as only 10.6%. Uh, given that we were at almost 15% for about a week there, it's reassuring to see. Um, the intensive care and other hospitalizations across the state of California has, pre has plateaued, and it looks like it's dropping down to around 20,000 people who are currently hospitalized, uh, with the intensive care population still hovering right around 5,000. The ICU bed availability is still is continuing to drop or stay relatively stable at 100 or uh, sorry 1113 uh, as of yesterday. Uh, available ICU beds by region we are still continued to flatline at zero. Uh, as has San Joaquin Valley uh, for basically the same amount of time. Oh, it's kind of funny. They, have, they had a little stutter right before they hit zero, uh, whereas Southern California was just like fucking straight nosedive into the ground yeah. and stayed at zero. Uh, Bay Area is down to uh, only 3.4%. Uh, Sacramento is at 62 and Northern California is still somehow at 24%. Well, because Northern, uh, California, Northern is, California is Northern California is pretty empty when it comes down to it. Um, it's, it's not a very highly populated area. Sacramento was doing all right for a bit. They were one of the only major population centers staying out of the, the lockdown range. Um, but that is uh, predictably plummeted, unfortunately. Not, yep. Exactly. Uh, so uh, po worth pointing out, Logan Chance is saying in the chat that at some point there was testing outside of the North Hollywood station, but it was not consistent. And a lot of folks were in line there. But uh, there's basically they've moved to a couple of pop up locations for testing. Um, I was actually very, uh, very lucky. I was able to get testing at um, at Echo Echo Park? Park Lake, I believe. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Just, yeah, there was just getting it. And I was able to book it within an hour of like fortunately I was able to book it and then immediately leave because my testing appointment was 40 minutes after I booked the test. So, yeah, I mean, MacArthur Park, also, those last yeah. walk ups. MacArthur Park also had some pop up testing. There's some mobile sites that are going around where they are consistently is a little bit hard to track day to day. Um, but that does seem to be the, the city's kind of like fallback. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh yeah, cumulative. When we're looking, this is always fun. Yeah, there's that. There's that no. record I was talking about. Uh, yeah, one million well, cases gonna... in LA County alone. Uh, yes. Good job, folks. We we are setting world records here. We're a world class city, an Olympic class city, if you will. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So we're looking at uh, Lassen County is at sixteen percent uh, of their population has tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, Imperial County is at 13.6%. Kings County is at 12.8%. San Bernardino is at 11.9%. And LA is at 10.1%. Yep. Which 10.1% of 10 million people is 1,024,297 yep. as of the time that that chart was updated. Though, though some, um, estimates, uh, some estimates are saying that perhaps as many as 30% of Los Angeles has been infected yes. in the last year because of the number of people who uh, aren't getting tested or weren't tested or were yep. tested in between when they were sick. So uh, that number could be as high as like two and a half million people. So um, that's, you know, that's a thing. Oh, and there's still fireworks going off outside for some reason. I mean, they've been literally there have been fireworks every fucking night since New Year's. There's like, it has not stopped. You know what? Celebrate the apocalypse. As, as Camus said, you just got to embrace the absurdity. I mean, yes, but like fireworks are fun 
Fireworks are festive. Fireworks are fucking garbage for the air quality. Um, but apparently that's not the only thing that is damaging our air quality now. And they actually created waivers because so many fucking people have died in L.A. County due to the virus that they had to create a special waiver to allow for more cremations to happen. Yep. It is that fucking bad. So that smog that you see on the horizon is not just from the cars. It's also from the ashes of all of the abuelas and abuelos that the city and county of Los Angeles have fucking failed because our Latino population is just being utterly decimated by this yeah. fucking virus. And it is uh, on, the, um, on the subject of fireworks. I would also say like we're in the middle of a, a, a pretty significant Santa Ana winds event. Like don't, don't go shooting off yeah, fireworks don't, don't tonight. Do Please don't. It's, it's a really bad yeah. idea tonight. So again, looking at the, the, I guess these charts really haven't changed since the last time we looked at it, but it's worth pointing out that the number of people who have caught the disease, the caseloads, mm-hmm. uh, 18 to 34 year olds are dramatically overrepresented in cases. That's mm-hmm. probably due to the fact that they represent a lot of essential workers, frontline workers who are yep. not getting the special care and the protections that they need. 35 to 49, it's in the same situation. Five to 17, the kids are dramatically underrepresented. Same thing with infants. Um, and then 50 to 59 is getting pretty close to the actually representative. Uh, and the same thing is true for all of the rest of the age groups above. Um, but again, the deaths by age group are utterly devastating for folks over the age of 80, with nearly 42% of the deaths due to the virus coming in the, that age bracket. Uh, and then again, it's it's basically, a, it slowly trickles down from there. So while 18 to 34 and, and 35 to 49-year-olds are overrepresented in the caseload we are still uh not making up more than uh what is that seven or eight percent of the total deaths due to the virus um but still take it fucking seriously folks like this is not something to fuck around with no it's 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 a hard Um, line to ride between personal responsibility and systemic failures but like shit like if you can stay home wear a mask and it's and yeah Yeah. wear a mask social distance don't hang out with your friends don't go to parties go to the grocery store as infrequently as possible like i don't want to put an essential worker in danger so like i'm going to the grocery store trying to keep it to like once a week unless like i absolutely positively have to like grab something but like even then it's scary as hell like i'm in and out as quick as i possibly can um it's I just like we're not out of this for well, a bit, you know. We'll we'll talk about no, vaccines it, it, in a bit. They were saying that the um, the Whole Foods up in I want to say it's Glendale, yeah, had just like got a, eighty-five cases. Yeah, mass like, like yeah, it's there's no avoiding Jesus. it. Like it's it's just like if people congregate in an area, you're gonna get COVID. But let's uh, let's keep rolling through it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, distracted no, it's, by it's, the. It's uh, very easy to do that. <laughs> existential threat to our existence. Um, the deaths by day. We are currently at uh, Jesus, thirty-three thousand seven hundred thirty-five deaths in the state due to the virus. One hundred eighty-seven yesterday. One hundred forty reported so far today. We are still hovering at around five hundred deaths per day on the seven-day average. Uh, so likely we're going to see that number go up uh, again. We're coming off of a long weekend and a lot of stuff wasn't reporting fully today. Yeah. So expect a big fucking scary number tomorrow. And I, I should I should point out, I know I've pointed this out a couple of times on an average day in L.A. and non pandemic times. We see 170 people die uh, in L.A. County. Uh, we're currently seeing about 300, 200 to 300 people a day dying just from covid. We're seeing double the number of deaths or so. Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing double the number of deaths every day in LA. And that's because like people who are, are dying from natural causes are still dying. We're just adding on top of that, the, the COVID deaths. And it's uh, just, 
yep. this constant tide of uh, of death that's overwhelmed everything. The morgues, the funeral homes, the hospitals. Um, it just yeah, I, I don't know any other it's, way to deal with it. The numbers just like suck, Chris, and they they keep sucking. They, they really do. I'm going to run out of yeah. like ways to be exasperated. We've been well, that's the thing. We've been exasperated by this for like eight months, nine months. Like it's not gotten any better. It's only gotten worse through yeah. the entire fucking thing. Like it has never has it gotten better. It's been a relentless assault and it's only like it's continued to accelerate, especially these last couple of months. Like it's just fucking terrifying. And it's, it's um, this is this on, is going to be one problem as we enter into true societal collapse through like environmental collapse and ecosystems collapses. Like at some point, podcasters like us are just going to run out of things to say about it. And truly, that's the, the greatest tragedy. Yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll deal with that one when it comes to it. Uh, on a little bit of a happier note, though, we are at 1.3 million vaccines have, having been administered in the state of California at this point. 114,815 jabs were delivered on Saturday. Yep. Um, I don't know how many were delivered yesterday or how many were delivered today because those numbers have not been reported yet. Yeah. Um, but and it does look like the, the city and the county are getting a little bit better at distributing the vaccine. Um, it took me uh, more than a week to like land a, a vaccination and I still had to wait two weeks to get it. And then like when I'm scheduled to get my first jab is when the city is opening up all of these vaccine super centers, um, which very cool. Like glad that they're able to do that now more than a month after the, the vaccine was first made available in California. Um, but uh, what like what the hell, Gavin? They, what the hell? They just they just completely botched all of the logistics of this rollout across the country, but like especially yeah. here in California. Um, the last the last of these graphs I have for the statewide totals is the prison population infection rate. We're looking at forty five thousand four hundred fifty seven confirmed cases of COVID nineteen across the state. Jails that does not include any tallies again from federal prisons, immigration detention facilities, or local jails. Uh, so again, uh, our prison population, our jail population is effectively just a sacrifice zone when it comes to dealing with COVID-19. Um, the cumulative cases, uh, by day here in LA County, again, we did cross that terrifying threshold, 1,024,297 cases so far as of 5.25 PM today, Monday, uh, or sorry, 6.02 PM today, Monday, January 18th. Uh, there were... Oh, looks like my numbers might not be up to date on this one. No, I did that one. Uh, 10,060 new cases yesterday, 9,544 so far today. Seven-day average is right around 13,000. Uh, we can see that in here. Um, so there's a dramatic underreporting right now, uh, judging by the fact that everything is still pretty much the same way it's been. I, I'd be shocked to see the the uh, number of cases actually staying uh, at 10,000, uh, it's probably going to jump up to around 13,000, uh, unless things have really dramatically changed. But again, testing has become much more difficult in the county of Los Angeles. Uh, we are now looking at the, the ICU beds. Uh, the general hospitalizations have started to decline in LA County. Uh, the ICU bed usage has not at all. It is exactly where it was a week ago. Um, we're still down, we're down to 263 ICU beds available in the county. The hospital occupancy is still maxed the fuck out. Every single one of the hospitals that is being reported by the LA times in this little infographic, uh, is in excess of 95% occupied, uh, and have been for weeks. Like that's nothing has changed. This is the past 
three weeks ish. I think those are weekly tiles, weekly tiles on there. Um, and uh, we're we're up to uh, thirteen thousand nine hundred thirty-seven deaths in the county due to the virus. Ninety-one yesterday, eighty-nine so far today. Uh, again, the seven-day average is right around two hundred twenty. So uh, we're looking at an underreporting at this point uh, for the weekend because that's what always happens. Uh, and also, uh, well, yeah, still the weekend uh, as far as they're concerned. Um, yeah, that kind of wraps that up for. Corona, so that's fun. Um, but in good news, uh, they've got vaccination sites. So you were, you were mentioning this earlier, Squirrel. Yeah. We've got five super sites opening tomorrow in LA County. Uh, and it's worth pointing out for folks where those sites are. We've got one of them at the Forum in Inglewood, another at the Pomona Fairplex, one at Cal State Northridge, another at the LA County Office of Education in Downey, and then a final one at Six Flags Magic Mountain in Valencia. Yeah. And this is not including the uh, the vaccine super site that is at Dodger Stadium, yeah. where, again, you cannot go get tested anymore. Don't try to go there. Also, don't try to go get a vaccine on a fucking bike, because apparently uh, you can't do that. Um yeah, they because... the 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 actual mechanism for getting into the site has been not very um, clearly communicated to pe- to people. It's also um, been uh, like even aside from like uh, just getting registered, who's available to be registered or who's like up and can be registered has been kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Over sixty fives in general can now be registered starting Friday. Before that, you had to have one of about. Um, a dozen conditions that qualified you as like super high risk or to be a healthcare worker. And the, the definition for a healthcare worker was fairly broad. You generally had to be somebody with direct patient contact or somebody who was working with the unhoused. They've loosened those restrictions a bit, not because they have too many vaccines, not because like for any good reason, but because the County was so bad at rolling it out and explaining to people how to sign up that a lot of those vaccine slots just weren't getting taken. Like the city did a terrible job explaining to people how to actually get the vaccine. And so they finally just said, screw it. We're just going to open it up to everyone. Cause otherwise these doses may go bad because they plan on a certain number of doses in a day at a given site. Once you pull those doses out of the fridge, they have to be used. If they're not used that day within a certain window of time, they go bad and they have to be thrown out. And so this is one reason why, like, Eric Garcetti said, hey, we had, like, 60 extra doses at the site, so we just told LAPD to send a bunch of people over because otherwise they just get thrown out. And, like, that's a bad sign with a life-saving vaccine. You should, you should have the planning and logistics to know who's getting that, when they're getting it, and how you're letting them know that it's their time to, like, come get their jab in the arm. Um... We are going to see like another uh, crunch coming up in about four weeks because after you get your first jab, you then have to wait four weeks to get your second jab. You then need to wait about 14 days for the immunity to, to work. And just to let everyone know, like getting the vaccination does not mean you can go out and party and hang out with people and like let go of everything because we still don't know if we have like total immunity if this is going to be a herd immunity situation or whether this is just what we call effective immunity and effective immunity is what you get from the flu vaccine that means that you're not going to get sick but you can still pass it to people like the flu vaccine doesn't mean you don't get the flu it means that when the flu gets into your body you can fight it off better so you're not going to get as sick or you may not get sick at all 
but you mm-hmm. can still pass that flu to other people. You could still potentially pass COVID to other people, even if you're vaccinated. So masks, social distancing, staying at home, we're all going to have to be doing this for the next six to months to maybe a year. We're going to have to spend time just getting used to like, this is life for a while until those numbers really come down until we see effective vaccination rates around the 80 to 90% of everyone who can get it. Now, reasons you would not get the vaccine, um, there's been some guidance that pregnant women maybe shouldn't get it, that it's kind of going back and forth on that one. Children under 16 are not being given the vaccine because there hasn't been enough research done on them, mainly because in order to participate in a clinical trial, you needed to be an adult, so they couldn't really test it on children. Uh, if you have severe allergic reactions or you've had like an anaphylactic reaction, like a severe allergic reaction to vaccines in the past, uh, you're being advised not to get it. But the vast, vast majority of people in society are able to get the vaccine and should get the vaccine when you get the chance, get it. Uh, right now, we do have an issue where there isn't enough, there aren't enough doses to go around to everyone in society. Hopefully, there will be yep. soon, but it takes a while to manufacture hundreds of millions of doses of vaccines. So, keep an eye out there yeah. on, um, you know, what the rollout's going to look like for most people. If you're under 65 and you're pretty healthy, we're looking at May or June. So, just kind of like keep your eye on that ball and just remember. We've still got to wait for the data to roll in. Better safe than sorry. Even when you get the vaccine, yep. even when it feels like it's okay to reopen society, we should still wait a bit. We should still make sure that everything's going okay because as we're seeing with the B117 variant and the the other one, the South African variant, its, it's number designation uh, escapes me at the moment. We don't know how effective the vaccine is going to be against them. We're still waiting for that data to come in. And the more that this virus infects people, that's more chances for it to uh, duplicate itself. And every time it duplicates, that's a chance for mutation. And if those mutation mutations turn out to be beneficial to it, that becomes the dominant strain. So we're seeing new variants becoming the dominant strain here in California. And we really, really, really have to keep that in mind and understand, like, we're not safe for a while. We, we're not going to, like, get through this just because we have the vaccine. We were also focused on getting a vaccine out there that, like, everyone kind of forgot, oh, wait, now we have to see how effective it is. Now we have to make it yeah. through that, like, last long yeah. tail of getting everyone vaccinated and hoping that the virus doesn't mutate too much to make the vaccine ineffective. And we still don't know if you're going to have to get booster shots. We still don't know how long this vaccine is going to last. This is all brand new yeah. medical technology, brand new ways well, of creating vaccines. So we're all essentially guinea pigs in this experiment. And that's not the most comfortable place to be. But at the same time, we don't have any other options, right? I mean, what is this What is this thing that we call life but one giant science experiment? Exactly. Squirrel. Exactly. Um, but it's also hey, worth pointing hey, on out that really note, quickly uh, for on folks. On that, that note, if you haven't read Sirens of Titan by Kurt Vonnegut, go ahead and read Sirens of Titan by Kurt Vonnegut. And you'll, you'll figure out why when you get to the end of that book. Uh, all right. Well, it's on my list now. Uh, cause I haven't read it yet. There are a lot of books I haven't read. I need oh, so many books I need to read. Anyway, the, uh, the reason I wanted to quickly flag for the fa- for folks that part of the reason why those variants are raising, uh, concern among, uh, epidemiologists at the moment is because those specific variants include mutations that have changed, uh, potentially changed the spikes on the virus. And the spikes on the virus are actually what was used as the target, the specific target for the rapid generation of the vaccines. So because we were, we were actually able to rely on uh, uh, the, the SARS um, data from 
the veterinary industry, actually, it's the, the health and the health research for vets for the vets uh, that uh, brought together the fact that, you know, they knew all of this stuff about how to handle SARS before COVID-19 hit. And then they were able to leverage that knowledge base to to attack the virus as quickly as they did. And the specific immune response that we have developed through this vaccine is based upon targeting those spikes, which is what latches onto your cells and allows the virus to get into you. Uh, but if those spikes are changing, that's where things start to get interesting is that we don't know how effective the vaccine is going to be against yeah. these other other variants. And that's that's and, what separates the, the UK variant from the South African yes. variant is the UK variant may be more infectious. That means it may spread more easily, but it's not more virulent. It doesn't make you more sick. Uh, the yep. the South African variant looks like it might be more virulent because the the specific mutations that we're looking at there are on the spike proteins, and that's why people are worried that it may diminish vaccine effectiveness. Now, not like all the way down, but it's more like a 95% effective rate versus like an 85% effective rate. And when you're dealing with a population of you know 330 million people, like here in the U.S., 10% is 30 million people. Like that's that is a large margin of, of uh, difference to be dealing with. Absolutely. So uh, on that note, I think it's time for us to move on to yep. uh, yeah. other threats to our uh, continued existence as a country, uh, though some of them uh, kind of kind of flash in the pan yeah. and not much more to it. But um, yeah, so there's there's a bit of a military presence going on across the country these days. Yeah, so um, this is uh, these shots are from San, Fran uh, San Francisco. Jesus, wake up, Tim. Uh, <laughs> these shots are from Sacramento, uh, our our glorious state's capital. Uh, these were taken by uh, Left Coast Right Wing Watch LCRW News on Twitter. Uh, a guy who does some really great coverage of just sort of all things going on um, all over the the country. Um, if you want to send him some money through Patreon or Venmo, they would definitely appreciate it. But so these are some very bored National Guardsmen. Like, these are basically guys who were called out to defend the Capitol against violent insurrectionists who just never showed up. So they basically got paid to sit around all day with their cool-ass Humvees and their fully automatic rifles loaded with uh, real ammunition um, and do nothing. Do just absolutely nothing. Uh, truly weekend warriors. This guy, I don't know his name, but he is... One of the few pro-Trump protesters who showed up that day, he was wearing a sign about how Biden needs to be arrested for Hunter Biden's corruption and other nonsensical <laughs> bullshit standing in front of a security yep. fence. Um, and let's go to the next photo. And so this guy is a pro-Biden protester, actually, who showed up uh, arguing that we all obey is the rule of law. Is he wearing an Eagle Scout? He's wearing an Eagle Scout bat or uh, yep. uh, medal. Yeah, and he's also wearing an <laughs> E Pluribus Unum mask, which, you know. Oh. Great. Oh, man. But also his tie is like the, the weird, like, um, uh, kind of blocky, Wait. like, um, uh, basically like a pixelated color scheme tie. It looks really oh, weird. Like the an, first time I saw the photo. Tie? Yeah, exactly. And the first time I saw the tie, mm. I was like, wait, why is everything in focus except his tie? Why is the tie censored? It turns out the tie is not censored. It's just a really wacky pattern that does not pick up on camera well. But so a whole lot of nothing happened in San Francisco. Uh, flipping over, actually, that's a little bit too early. We, we don't want that photo oh. yet. Uh, we want the, the photos of the Boogaloo. Nope, not that one. 
uh, we want these guys. So, oh, no, uh, yeah, these guys will work. So these are some of the Boogaloo boys who showed up in We're doing Michigan. it live, folks. We're yeah. doing it live. But so these are some of the Boogaloo boys who showed up in Michigan. And uh, yeah. there was like nine to 12 of them. Uh, Boogaloo boys, just to sort of like a glossary that for y'all, is a Chan yep. movement, essentially, that comes out of like the 4chan and the 8chan boards and like the Reddit boards, where they're essentially young white guys who believe that the next Civil War is coming and that it's their job to kind of help accelerate that, that like the next civil war will be a good thing for the rebirth of America. Uh, they're pretty right aligned. Like they're very alt-right. They're very reactionary. But what they learned during the BLM cycle was that if they're coming out and they're like standing on a street corner with their AR-57 and looking like a right-wing militia, people don't trust them and don't like them. So what they've started doing is appropriating the signs and the merch from real movements for social change. So you'll see the, the one person here is wearing a Black Lives Matter hoodie, which they clearly bought off of like Amazon. Like they clearly just like mm -hmm. bought the first Black Lives Matter hoodie that they saw on Instagram and figured, hey, if I wear that in public, people will think that I support BLM. The person standing yep. next to him is wearing a gay pride flag. I have no idea what this guy's actual sexual orientation is, but nothing about the Boogaloo movement has anything to do with sexual liberation or gender liberation or sexual identity liberation. You know, this is purely a reactionary, violent movement. It includes people like Kyle Rittenhouse in it. These are like very yep. angry, want to be shooting people, want to believe they're soldiers kind of like folks and sort of like a weird mashup of internet nihilism and prepper culture all in one. They also wear the um, uh, the Hawaiian shirts, Hawaiian shirts, which I'm very annoyed mm -hmm. by because I like a good Hawaiian shirt. Now I can't wear those. Um, stop stealing my, my wardrobe, you assholes. Well, you can wear them as long as you don't wear a plate carrier over the top of it. You know, You're probably going to be okay. I don't know, man. I mean, before I would get mistaken for a parrot head and like as much as I enjoy a Jimmy Buffett <laughs> song, I'm not not looking to do that either i don't want the big divorce dad energy uh but they they wear the hawaiian shirts because like in their nihilistic sensibilities like the civil war is like a big party but with you know murdering yep. people and like well ied that's where their name comes from right their yep. name is their name is based off of uh what it's electric slide Two, electric boogaloo or something yeah, like that. what was uh, the name of uh breakdance Two, electric boogaloo breakdance Two, electric yeah. boogaloo there we go so it's yeah. it's basically because uh civil war Two. Uh, they were like, well, what's something that can rhyme with that that we can put after the colon? Yeah. And they said, oh, well, Electric also, Boogaloo. But well, and also, like, Breakdance 2, Electric Boogaloo kind of became a meme on the internet. Just anytime you had a sequel to something, calling it Electric Boogaloo yes. was just, like, silly. And so having yes, that yes, internet yes. nihilism and that sort of, like, meme-poisoned mind, it just made sense. And so that got shortened down over time to just the Boogaloo or the Boog. So that's why they're Boogaloo boys. Is like they're planning to fight yep. the next Civil War. Um, a lot of their early rhetoric was very race-baiting and very racist. They've since moved away from that, and now they're trying to, like— cape as people who actually want like social change and social justice and unlike the proud boys where there's like a centralized organization that has like membership and stuff the boogaloo movement is very decentralized and very cell-based and these cells don't even really communicate it's really just a group of random people in any locality that like happen to all have guns and want to get together so let's flip over to slc the the next photo you were showing so these are a bunch of Boogaloo boys who are out in uh, Salt Lake City. And you can see they have a much more like militaristic stance. Like these are much more like we consider ourselves a militia. We're citizen soldiers. Like they have a much more uh, threatening aura, as it were, uh, still openly carrying a lot of guns. Um, very few of them, though. Uh, you know, there's maybe about a dozen of them. I actually did see a picture of their mutual aid tent um, and they had like a charcuterie board out there. Like, you know, that's I, cool. not, the, yeah, not the worst food to munch on at a protest, but. 
these are also like people that have means. Like none of these guns that they're carrying yeah. are cheap. Owning guns and ammo is a really expensive ha hobby. These are people who are carrying like a couple thousand dollars worth of kit on them. You know, these aren't the down and out of society. These are pretty wealthy and privileged people. And so they're able to spend their disposable income on things like guns and ammo and plate carriers. And like that adds up real quick. But now let's flip forward to today. Uh, last year in Richmond was a lobby day where a bunch of pro-gun people showed up to lobby the uh, state of Virginia to not restrict gun ownership and not to enact gun mm -hmm. control. Today, it did not have as good a turnout. Um, the same reason that 117 didn't have a good turnout. Everybody saw what happened on 16 and was like, oh, uh, we probably don't want to show up in numbers because we don't want to be associated with the failure. Like a lot of the right wing reaction to 16 yeah. isn't a reaction to what happened. It's a reaction to the fact that it failed. Had that insurrection yep. succeeded, they would not have the same like tone nope. of contrition. But so here we see three proud boys standing on an empty, empty street. Uh, in Richmond, Virginia, trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do there. Uh, the rest of the day scene was was similarly sad. Let's flip to the uh, the next photo uh, where we have the guy who claims that gun control is a Marxist plot, which, you know, news to me, Karl Marx was pretty clear about keeping the workers armed um, and very much was like, hey, if your boss in the state is screwing you, you should probably have a way to fight back. But let's go ahead and show a couple of these videos. Uh, let's show the first video of the press gaggle. So this is like 40 members of the press shooting about like taking photos and videos of like 10 people who are there to protest for gun rights and kind of shows how the, the press is focusing on the sensationalism and making it look more important than it is. And this is, is this the one from uh, Socialist Dog Mom? Yeah, this is from Socialist Dog Mom, who's uh, based out of uh, Virginia herself. Oh, yeah, that was that was the end of it. Yeah, it wasn't a long <laughs> video, but like, it, was, it was pretty empty out there. Like we didn't see the hundreds and hundreds of people showing up like we did last year. You know, the wind has been taken out of their sails a bit, um, but I, I think only in public. Uh, let's show the next video. So this is a Boogaloo boy showing off his homemade 3D printed AR-15 and uh, showing exactly how you do not handle a gun around other people. Uh, yeah, I, I, that stood out to me very Clearly. Ooh, ooh. Sorry ooh. about that. I just pointed a loaded gun at your head. What a silly mistake on my part. And now, to be clear, for those of you that like aren't, um, so first off, that video is from uh, Talia Jane. Not to be confused with Talia Levin. They are two completely separate <laughs> women who are both reporters who just happen to have the same yep. name, and they are not the same person. People keep fucking that up. But so what that guy was doing and, was, oh, was and Talia Jane's handle is uh, at its uh, underscore Talia. Yeah, and so. Uh, when what he was doing there is he was taking out what's called the rear takedown pin. And what the rear takedown pin does mm -hmm. on an AR-15 is it opens up the action. So basically it pulls apart the, the part where the bullet gets fed into the chamber and where the fire control, the trigger and the hammer and all that stuff are. So you can open it up for like cleaning or maintenance. Um, it's, it's essentially disassembling the weapon. So what he was doing there is he was showing them the inner workings of this gun that he printed at home using a 3D printer or... Um, yep. you know, drilling out the parts that you need to make the, the lower receiver fit to the upper receiver so you actually have a complete gun. Because with the U.S. federal government, what they consider to be the gun gunniest part of a gun is that lower receiver that allows the gun to actually mm -hmm. fire. Like, just having a tube with a bullet in it that you might, like, hit hard enough to make that bullet fire, 
that's not actually a gun. It's having the trigger and the hammer and all that stuff attached in one unit. So when people talk about ghost guns, when they talk about home builds, what they mean is that they buy themselves a lower receiver that doesn't have any of the right holes drilled out. And then they use a machine like a ghost gunner, or there's a couple of other like auto printers out there that will drill the right holes for you and then you just sort of like screw the whole thing together and you've got yourself a gun and that guy uh was showing why we probably don't want to just let anyone out there print themselves a semi-automatic rifle uh and then go carry it around in public especially when they have zero muzzle Pointy. control and are yep. pointing it at people's heads uh because they think it's cool and then just sort of being like oh sorry about that i literally just threatened your life but you know silly mistake um so yeah jesus but yeah, to, to pull this together to uh, for the inauguration, because I, I am going somewhere with this. I'm not just like talking shit on these people for, <laughs> for the fun of it, though I am doing that. Let's uh, let's show this video by Max Blumenthal, which like, you know, Max Blumenthal, like there's a lot of criticisms of him and I'm, I'm one of the first to launch those. I'm not going into that right now, but he did capture this rather uh, scary video of what it looks like in Washington, D.C. right now. It's, I mean, it's fucking spooky. Yeah, and that is, as like, you can we're, see, we're seeing... uh, it, over in the left-hand corner is the Capitol. Directly in front of where the camera yeah. is is the Supreme Court. You see a bunch more very bored National Guardsmen standing behind some very, very hardcore fencing and concrete barriers. Uh, there's yep. around 25,000 National Guard in Washington, D.C. right now for the inauguration. We have literally established a green zone uh, that you can only pass through with the correct paperwork that, that actually takes over a decent amount of Washington, D.C. because it over does. by where the Capitol is, uh, like having gone to school there, there's a lot of restaurants, there's a lot of bars, there's a lot of coffee shops. Like there's all the things that like the regular office workers who and even the politicians like need to frequent just for like their daily lives or want to frequent and so all of that stuff is also closed off but for essential workers like waitresses who need to like get to work they have to carry a special letter describing them as a an essential worker they have to bring their id with them to get through military checkpoints you know when we talk about a green zone that's war and occupation terminology and like the occupation mm -hmm. we're seeing in dc is not the same as the occupation that we'll see in Baghdad or Kabul or places that we've invaded. There, there are obviously different levels of like escalation that are happening there, different ways the people who are on the outside of that fence are going to be treated. At the same time, those National Guardsmen are carrying live rounds and are authorized to use deadly force. This is a yeah. little bit of like a new thing for us here and something that we're not going to see pulling back from. Like if we know anything about national security state escalation, it's that it's very easy to set a new high water mark. It's very hard to roll that back. Like the Department of Homeland Security has been around for 20 years, never done anything useful at all. And we can't get rid of that thing to save our lives. Um, so when it comes to, to uh, January 20th, uh, Wednesday, we really have no idea what we're going to expect. Um, there's a lot of police yeah. that are in town providing mutual aid. Uh, the Pentagon also had to release a memo to its troops reminding them that, like, doing a coup is against the oath that they took, which, that's never good. Like, the fuck? Yeah, when you have to be like, hey, by the way, Ensign, just in case you were wondering, yeah. trying to do a coup against the government that you took an oath to protect, that yeah. that's that's bad. Don't Please don't try and do they that. 
They've been reporting on this for a bit now, uh, on NPR even, talking about the fact that they have to do additional screenings of all of the soldiers who are being stationed in D.C. right now yep. to make sure that they don't have those kinds of, shall we say, uh, right-leaning inclinations uh, toward uh, fascists. Yep. The, so uh, the FBI is um, screening yeah. all of the soldiers, um, making sure that they are actually um, patriotic, red-blooded Americans and not dirty, dirty insurrectionists. Uh, I'm sure that some of them are. The Jesus. the mass discipline amongst the troops has been uh, hit and miss, to say the least. Um, but this is I mean, like a pretty scary time. Those first two pictures time. from Sacramento, yeah. those guys were just standing there, no fucking masks on. Yep. Yeah, well, again, I mean, look. Same thing is true for LAPD. Well, look, it, it, <laughs> you know, troops. that's that's not their fault. It, it's, it's Gavin Newsom accidentally spent all of their money for masks at the French Laundry. Like it just—it was a budget mix-up, and now the National Guard oh, of California God. can't afford masks. Uh, but so there are some indications that things might be calmer on the twentieth. For starters, Gab and Parler, the two right-wing Twitter services, have had a lot harder time like maintaining connectivity and site service, especially Parler, which yep. was taken down by Amazon, but has since come back, hosted by the same hosting service that hosts Gab. But they're not. Neither of those sites are built well. Like they're really no. just like shitty terribly programmed sites so they can't handle a lot of traffic so they haven't been able to keep up with the new influx of people so that has definitely diminished right-wing ability to organize online but it hasn't stopped it completely um so far over 100 arrests have been made by the fbi over the actions on 1-6 and those those arrests will probably keep coming we don't know what all of the charges are going to look like but for a lot of them they're pretty low. We're looking at like one or two years in jail. And to put this in context, there are currently 15 people in Phoenix, Arizona, who are facing more than a decade in jail over charges that include gang enhancements because they took umbrellas to a protest where some traffic cones were knocked down, right? Chanting a cab in the streets can land you in jail for life. Being the QAnon jester who like takes over the floor of the House of Representatives might land you a couple years in jail. And if you bitch and moan enough, they're going to give you organic food. Um, so we're definitely going to see these right wing protesters treated with kid gloves the way they always are. And we know that that's not going to be a way to solve this. I also don't think that like having the national security state clamp down on them super hard is going to be no. the way to solve this because the solution here is much deeper broader social change we need to engage in that we're simply not doing like anyone pushing a patriarch 2.0 or telling you to snitch to the national security state that is not a person who is your friend that is not somebody who should be listened to that is the last thing we need because we know ultimately those tools are turned against black and brown communities we know that they're not used to fight white supremacy especially when like we know there were cops and active duty soldiers in the crowd on 1-6. Like, every day we're learning about more cops that were there to overthrow the government. Um, the, the institutions of white supremacy are rooted in our police. Like, straight up. Oh, yeah. So, uh, to kind of, like, pull this all together, don't be super worried about 120. I think that the inauguration is going to go fine. I don't know why they don't just cancel the inauguration and have Joe Biden just like do it by Zoom. Like John Roberts can like drive out to his house and they can do it by Zoom. It's fine. Um, but this isn't the last we'll see of this. This is going to be a slow burn. There's going to be more stochastic violence. There's going to be more nihilistic violence like the guy in Nashville. People who want to do real damage to our society are emboldened to do that. And there's not a whole lot that's going to stop them. So, you know, make sure that you and yours have what you need. Make sure you've got extra food and got extra water. Make sure you're prepared for a natural disaster. If civil unrest happens, 
you'll still need to take the same precautions as if the big one hit. So make sure you got food, make sure you got water, make sure you know how to communicate with your loved ones, have a plan, think about this stuff. And Mm -hmm. if you do see stuff going down on like 120 at like City Hall in LA, for example, I don't think it's a great idea to go out and confront these people. I don't think that's actually helpful at this moment. I think letting them have a temper tantrum while we focus on community organizing and community defense and keeping ourselves safe is a much, much better move. So um, that being said, uh, slash rant on that one, uh, let's talk about uh, the absolute and unbridled criminality of LA City Council, because that's always a feel-good topic. Funny, I happen to have this picture right here of uh, the very guilty and uh, criminally charged and, and, and has pled out uh, Mitchell Englander, uh, former city council representative of, of the 12th district. Who? Uh, wait, that, he, wait, you know, his... wait. I have a question before we go on. Are you yeah. telling me that Mitchell Fayol's full name is Mitchell? Because I, I, so. I thought they were all just named Mitch. You know, I thought that was the name. No. I didn't even consider that their name was Mitchell. It's all it right. Is, wow, that just Mitchell Englander. <laughs> that just blew my mind. Like you honestly just blew my mind, Chris. Uh, I mean, I can I can double check real quick to make sure that because uh, it actually says their full name on the agendas, uh, so I can actually look to see whether or not it is. Oh no, his is listed as Mitch O'Farrell on uh, the. City Council, at least for the uh, the agendas. Yeah, no, it's it's just no, it's just it's just Mitch. This is just Mitch. It's just Mitch. Well, okay, it's, it's it is Mitchell Englander. Yeah. Uh, which. Yeah, I mean, no, that I one can makes more sense. Why he went by Mitch. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, corrupt piece of shit, uh, Mitch Englander. Um, there's there. So basically, the the big thing that came out with Englander in the last couple of days, uh, I guess actually in the last week or so. Uh, was uh, this little transcript bit. So there was, uh, Michael Kohlhaas uh, uh, has been doing some absolutely fantastic digging and reporting on all of these issues forever. Um, and in the reporting, uh, a couple of beautiful things have come out from these transcripts that uh, Kohlhaas loves to just make sure that we're all pleasantly aware of. Um, and we'll get to the extremely funny uh, way in which Mitch... Uh, Mitch Englander speaks to the uh, states, the, whoever it was that had flipped states witnessed in the particular transcript. Um, but basically, the, the long and short of this is that there's literally nobody other than uh, current CD12 representative Councilman John Lee who could be the person that Mitch Englander is talking about uh, in the transcripts. Uh, there's like the, the, the rumored city staffer B. Uh, that everybody knew was John Lee from the from the get go. Uh, there's literally no way it could be anyone other than John Lee because of all the things that describe City Staffer B in the uh, so far released uh, FBI documents, um, Department of Justice documents. It's there's only one person who meets all of those profiles and then also could be referred to by their first name of John uh, by Mitch Englander on this recording. Uh, but first things first. So there, there's, there's this great little, um, just to, just to fill you in with a little bit of setting the scene here. Uh, I'm just going to read quickly from this, uh, transcript from the CHS, 
uh, the, the state's witness uh, who was report who was uh, had turned state's witness for this. Uh, and the, the uh, state's witness said on the recording, quote, but also another thing is about if they check my phone records, I call for the like for the like, you know, the uh, massage girl. And also if they if Englander, no, CHS, I don't know. Seriously, Englander, no, CHS. I don't know if they have if they have video surveillance, Englander, they don't have anything like that. CHS, you don't think so? Englander. And if they check your phone records and called, just go, quote, I called just to see how much money. I was curious to see how much money it would be for two. It would be for, it would be during the night, end quote. CHS. So, so just say that I, yeah, that's what I'll, Englander. I would say, quote, I was so drunk, I don't remember calling. I didn't arrange anything. CHS. So I just say, I was drunk, I don't remember. Englander. Or I don't remember. Maybe I dialed the wrong number. I don't know. I don't remember. CHS, come on, I made several, several calls. <laughs> Just say also, you don't I, know what the calls were about, man. <laughs> well, I also like, I, I also like the, the fact that like Mitch Englander seems to be pushing him towards like, hey, just tell him you were calling a prostitute. Like, just just try and make it be about, like, how you're trying to hire a sex worker and not trying to bribe me as an elected official. And that just says a lot. Yeah. Actually, I think that was actually in reference to the fact that there were uh, sex workers involved with that trip to Vegas. Um, and there was, like, a reimbursement for that needing to happen. Uh, but I don't remember. I, I'm not the expert on the details of this, uh, you know, red yarn on a on a bulletin board situation. Um, but here's the juicy bit. So, uh, later CHS. Yeah. Oh, I just worried that fucking, they have video surveillance, huh? Rec phone records. And I think, I think the club thing is not a big deal. Uh, and then Englander interjects and says, so, so, and CHS continues because even if they check my credit card expense, uh, so what if it's open table? There is many people, Ooh, good English. Uh, Englander interjects, Right, that's what I said. They go, oh, okay, and we're fine with that. They seem okay with all that stuff. They seem okay with all that. Say, well, quote, what took him so long to get you a check back? Just say, because he asked me a couple of times, how much does he owe me? He and John owe me, and I didn't have an amount. I said, I'll let you know, and we just, we never connected. And there, by the way, there was the uh, the penny dropping. Yeah. Uh, he and John owe me. Uh, CHS continues. I get it. Englander interjects. It wasn't a big deal. I was going to get it. Uh, talking about getting the check. CHS. Yeah. If they, if I get the uh, phone call for next interview, I, I'll, I'll let you know. Englander. Yeah. Okay. Let me know. But uh, uh, I think, uh, I think, I think we're fine. And if they check, if they do check phone records, which they haven't, they haven't done mine. And even if they did say, quote, well, what are these numbers you called before? Say. Yeah, I was just calling getting a price. They said, you didn't hire anybody. Say, no, I didn't hire anybody. What a yep. clusterfuck of incompetence. But what's no, really well, the well, interesting I was gonna thing say the, here, the part where he's like, no, don't worry, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, it's going to be okay. And, and like, <laughs> I had a friend who used to, he, he, like, his dad had a good saying, which was, uh, the graveyards are filled with people whose last words were, I have the right of way. And I feel like yeah. that's that's the the energy that Mitch Englander is putting out here when he's like, no, it's going to be fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We're good. We're good. Just like just just keep lying to, to the, the guy FBI. wearing a fucking wire. Just just keep lying to the FBI. It's fine. No one's ever gotten caught lying to the FBI. They, they they're fucking incompetence. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, they don't have uh, anything.
thing. And and now I'm going to tell you how much of what they don't have. And just in case they don't have enough incriminating evidence on me, I'm now going to tell them exactly what incriminating evidence to go collect on me. Yeah. And who else to collect incriminating evidence on? Because it's for me and John. Yeah. You know, it's the it's the expenses for me and John. The bribery, the money that you spent on me and John that we're needing to backdate checks for so that we can claim some level of, of, of innocence here, which nobody fucking buys. Yep. Um, but anyway, the, the, the interesting thing here is to do with the sentencing. So what, what's going on with that one, Squirrel? So, yeah. So right now, federal prosecutors are asking for about two years of jail time from Mitchell Englander, uh, which seems incredibly <laughs> light for the amount of crimes that he did. Um, but, you know, white collar crime, we don't tend to, to prosecute all that hard or send people to jail yep. for all that long. Uh, however, the federal probation department has taken a slightly, um, let's call it harsher tact here. And they want zero jail time, maybe some community service, and perhaps a fine of $9,500. The yep. fuck? Exactly. Um, yeah, so at the, most, uh, Mitch Englander will be facing two years. And at the least, he'll Jeez. have to maybe pick up some garbage and pay less than $10,000. Um, that's amazing. Fuck that. He, he brought in hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of bribes. Um, dis, you know, it did his part in making Los Angeles Envelopes more unlivable. Full of cash. Well, and did his part in making Envelopes Los Angeles. Full of cash in bathrooms. And, and making Los Angeles more unaffordable and unlivable because Ugh. part of his scheme, and Weezar was doing this too, was allowing developers to get around affordable housing requirements, right? Like he was yeah. cutting them deals so they could build more luxury units. And this was like, this was also so scandalous yeah. that like. Mitch Englander showed up at like a fundraiser and started trying to talk to one of the corporate officers about how they need to bribe him so that they could make more money on their building. And the guy was like, could you stop now? Could you stop talking to me about doing crimes? And he reported it to <laughs> the other executives in his company. And they were like, well, fuck, let's get the hell away from this guy. Um, it was it, it, it just an, a cavalcade of, of incompetent crime doing by, by Mitch uh, Englander. Um, Jose Weizar is obviously still in the hopper as far as prosecution and yes. perhaps um, conviction goes. He's still like an alleged bribe taker, um, though the evidence against him is just as damning as, as Mitch Englander's, and we haven't even seen all of it. Uh, there's been not a whisper about what's going to happen to John Lee, um, but he's you know still sitting on city council and able to vote, even though these transcripts came out. Um, I guess. Taking home a quarter you know, million I guess, a year in city uh, funds. Well, I, I guess this is just what, you know, Nuri Martinez means by, you know, putting families first in L.A. is, is making sure that, that John Lee um, Ooh, doesn't have to uh, be held accountable. Yeah, doesn't have to be. Yeah, that, that, that crime family, as it were. The, the crime family. That, <laughs> the West Coast Sopranos. Um, but yeah, all of this well, is, is terrible. But that's what they that's what they referred to it as when it was the CD14. It was like the, the organization or something like that. They, it was some fucking stupid name. But the best thing about that one, um, really quickly touching on Huizar. Uh. We did talk about this last week, but it's worth bearing. It bears repeating. Um, there is a developer that got caught red handed. Uh, using Huizar to get around affordable housing. And just so you're reminded of what this means, they're going to pay a $1.2 million fine uh, to the uh, city in this corruption case. Um, 
The originally the city planning commission had recommended that 11% of the housing units at the at the site which was located at 520 yeah. Mateo go to quote unquote very low income households which again we can get into like af- what affordability really means sometimes but like yeah you can get into a hell of a wonky thing with that and frankly uh, very low income housing is still not that affordable for a lot of people. Uh, Huizar instead pushed for only 6% of the housing going to moderate income residents and that 5% of its commercial floor area be reserved as affordable workspace. So that was a massive handout to the developer that they can charge much more for the for all of the space in this building because instead of 11% of the units going for very low income, it's only six and they're going to moderate income. Like So it's that's a substantial increase in the amount of rent that can be collected on those units. Yep. And then uh, the commercial floor area, like that, that's a thing, but there's also shitloads of commercial floor area in downtown LA. Um, but yeah, so that according, this is all, I'm quoting right, right here from Zanheiser's reporting in the LA Times um, from uh, the 11th, I want to say, what date was that? That was, oh, the 7th. Um, the other thing that's worth pointing out is that was, uh, so that took 24 uh, affordable unit, affordable housing units off the table entirely. So, yep. the, like, it, it, it's just, we don't have enough affordable housing. We only, the only type of housing that we have enough of in LA is luxury housing. And it's the, that's the only thing that these developers want to build because that's what makes them money. They're not looking to, you know, they're not the ones who are going to be operating these buildings long term. They then sell them off to companies like Essex Property Trust and other, uh, you know, corporate landlords that then rent these buildings out. And they hold enough of them that they can just sit there and not worry about the fact that some of these things are not renting for months or a year at a time. Because it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't actually impact their their bottom line to not have these units rent because they are still worth, quote unquote, on paper, what they were paying for it because of the potential value of luxury real estate in Los Angeles. Never mind the fact that there's still a ton of open luxury real estate, especially now. Like downtown is dead. There is nothing going on in downtown. There are not a lot of people moving into downtown. There's uh, living down here. It is so completely like comparing now to what it was like a year ago night and day difference for all times of day it is just a graveyard it's the same kind of like the traffic that you would see at like five in the morning back a year ago is what we have like all night long and most of the day too it's pretty dead during the day especially when you know once the once once it starts getting to be about five or six o'clock in the evening you still see some traffic on the streets but there are no people there's no, there's nothing to do. All the restaurants are closed. All the bars are closed. Everything yep. is done because the mayor and the governor and the board of supervisors don't know how to handle the fucking health crisis and have utterly failed us. Yep. And it's just, for me, it's really funny to see that this, like the developers are still continuing to build stuff as though there's a market for luxury high-end housing like like high-income housing which the 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 worst example of this is open chinatown where they have there is a community plan that requires that 20 percent of all housing that is built in chinatown have affordability built into it and you know gil cedillo that fucking idiot he goes out there and gets all of these assurances that basically create you know waivers for these developers over the last 10 15 years 
or 10 years, I guess he, I forget when he had elected to city council, but all of this development that's been happening in the last, in the last while lately in Chinatown has all been luxury high end developments with yep. no affordability built into it. Fucking what? Yep. No, it's, 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 <sighs> it's bad. Like, Hopefully we'll see more indictments coming down the hopper. Like we know from the, the, uh, uh, is it Ray Chan or Roy Chan? I can never remember the, the deputy mayor. Ray, uh, Chen. Ray Chen. Ray Chen. Uh, pretty much like half of council was named as being part of like his particular yeah. criminal enterprise or benefiting from yeah. it, uh, including Nuri Martinez, who got shortchanged. <laughs> she actually got the least amount of money out of everyone out there. And I'm just going to say. got paid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just going to say, you know, we need gender equity in our corruption. You know, Nuri <laughs> Martinez should be bribed just as much as Joey Buckets. I will die on this hill. <laughs> But with that being said, let's uh, uh, let's go ahead and roll into our, our pickups. It's been a, a long one already. Um, so uh, this is uh, this week. Obviously, if you have seniors in your life who need to get a vaccine, now is a good time to help them get the vaccine. Especially since a lot of that sign up process is yep. online and it's kind of like out of a lot of people's reach. Um, if you get the chance to get the vaccine yourself, if you're qualified to get it, please, please, please do get it. Uh, please stay the hell out of the malls, even though they're open. Uh, we don't need anyone going to malls. Uh, what else have we got on the agenda, Chris? Uh, well, I will be here tomorrow um, at not.la on Twitter and here on twitch.tv slash groundgamela live tweeting yet another city council meeting because that is what I do. Uh it's it's a thing. Uh, they're, they're, they are meeting tomorrow. They will not be meeting on Wednesday. So, yay. Uh, we might actually decide to do a little, like, coverage of the inauguration. Uh, maybe just like a little roundtable conversation talking about how everybody's, you know, feeling in this. Because it is there's, there's lots of things to be feeling. Um, but hopefully it won't be like the 6th, so we won't have anything to, any need to be reacting to um, another coup attempt. Um, but that's, that's, that's like a thing. So, uh, there's also going to be on, on Wednesday evening, uh, no matter what is happening, uh, at least that's our plan right now. We're going to be having a great episode of knock at night. Uh, we have uh, a couple of guests coming in. We're going to be talking, um, primarily about, um, so we're going to have Daniel Lee on who is a, a a candidate for the state Senate, uh, to talk about his campaign. Uh, he's out of Culver city, I believe. Right. Right. Bushido. Uh, yes, uh, he's uh, running for Holly Mitchell's seat. Uh, he is a Culver City Council member and will be running against uh, Sydney. Yes, uh, and he'll be running against uh, Sydney Dove, formerly Sydney Camlinger Dove. Um, I'm mm -hmm. not sure why the name changed. If that's just a rebrand or if something not, happened in her personal I life, I have no idea. Uh, but Sydney is the kind of chosen successor by Holly Mitchell, but is a much more yes. centrist candidate. Like Daniel Lee is. <laughs> Very much positioned as like the more uh, progressive, and I know I know Daniel from uh, the times he stopped by Occupy Ice yeah. LA. He was also involved yeah. in uh, Occupy LA, the the first like round of Occupy movements. Uh, he's a vet. He's a lawyer. Really good guy. Um, if you're uh, in that state Senate district, please keep an eye out. Um, if Sydney mm -hmm. wins, that means there's going to be another special election to fill her <laughs> assembly seat. State so, assembly. For those of you that have had enough voting for uh, at least two years, vote for Daniel Lee. Then we don't have to do another election. So, like, if you're looking for, like, one reason to prefer one over the other, just, like, 
Let's let's decrease the number of Fewer times you have to go vote. vote. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he's going to be on. And then also Mike Dickerson, who's been doing some great work around uh, Prop 22 yeah. and gig workers. Uh, check him out over on Knocked at LA. Uh, he's going to be on talking about the investigative reporting he's doing, interviewing gig workers, and uh, especially gig worker unions and how they're organizing mm-hmm. to fight the Prop 22 changes. Yep. Um, and then before the final outro here, I just wanted to flag for you uh, this week. Uh, there was a t- or last week rather there was a tweet from Nithi Raman who oh, is yes, making thank you. waves in city council. Uh, yeah, well, thank you, Squirrel, for sending this one to me to uh, flag for this. Uh, Nithya said, "Quote: This week, I introduced a motion celebrating the memory of someone special. Uh, Jeff Pereira passed away on December 18th, surrounded by friends, on an island in the LA River where he had lived for decades. He was known by so many and loved by those who knew him." Thread. So uh, go check out Nithya's page. And it I'll is say unheard this is, of. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Oh no, no, you go ahead. You do it. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's it's you know at the end of council they do these adjoining motions, yes. which are generally like in memoriam and kind of like me- memorializing people that are important to the city of Los Angeles. Like Tom Labonge got one last week. Nithia Huge is one. probably the first person ever to do this for an unhoused Angelino. Like this was a man who lived very much on the fringes of Los Angeles society. Uh, he was featured in one of her campaign videos talking about how he once was given housing. He paid money for his housing, and when he tried to bring his dog with him, they said, oh, no, you can't bring your pet. And so he just decided housing is not for me. I'm not going to live without my dog. And to, yeah. to not only form a personal connection with him, to not only feature him in her campaign materials, but then to memorialize him in front of the entire city of Los Angeles is something that we don't see from our city council members. And this is the type of basic humanity that we want to see from our council members, not just memorializing the people that are famous, the people that are rich, the people that everybody's heard of. Hundreds of people die in L.A. County every year who are left in pauper's graves, essentially who don't have family to contact, who don't have money to pay for a funeral, who have no support system, and the city just kind of cremates them and buries them and does one mass memorial service. And generally, a couple dozen people show up. Hundreds, thousands of people die this way every year in Los Angeles. Four people a day die on the streets of L.A. right now, and most of those people will never know their name. They will never have an in-memoriam. There isn't enough time to name and remember and celebrate all of those lives. It's a huge thing that this one man was able to to be memorialized this way, but only as a symbol of the people that we will never know. Yeah. yeah. And so, on that note, um, yeah, take take us go, to the outro, Chris. Uh, as always, if y'all have any events that you want us to be taking part in, publicizing or just being made aware of, please send us a message. You can reach us through the Ground Game LA Facebook page. Uh, on Twitter at Ground Game LA, on Instagram at Ground Game LA. Uh, this podcast and every Ground Game podcast is a production of Knock.LA. You can support our work over on Patreon at patreon.com slash knock underscore LA. Of course, please check the description of this podcast for sources, links to actions, and all social media links. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, was not yeah. prepared for how much that last bit was going to hit me. Um, no, it, but it, it, it's rough. It was, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all Four very much. Days. It's up. Yeah. That's up thirty three percent from last year. Yeah, and that's still probably an undercount. Fuck. It's 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 probably it's tragic. But hey, thank you all very much for tuning in this week and every week. Uh, we'll catch you back here uh, as soon as we can. We'll see you Wednesday night on Knock at Night. Uh, in the meantime, stay safe. Hold those you care about close. Do something nice for somebody that you see that needs it. Love you all very much. <laughs>